Hey, church family, good evening and welcome to this live stream. The countdown timer is still going and we'll be on with lessons on Liberty with Brother Jack Clay for our final week in just a few minutes. But while you're waiting on this countdown timer, we want to tell you about what's coming up next week at midweek. And it'll be on Facebook Live or you can come and join us in person. We'd love to see you here. And so uh, next week we're going to start a new series called One Church. One Church. And this is Unity in Jesus. And what we say at Western Hills often is that disciple-making culture has to be built on the biblical foundation of love. Love is something we have to grow in because other people aren't like us. They don't share our opinions. Right now, it does not take a lot of time for you to scroll your social media or look around our world and see that our world on many issues is divided. And when we're facing these important, critical issues like racial division right now, it's more important than ever that we learn to love one another and that we discover what is our love and our unity in Jesus' church to be founded on. We're going to learn some lessons on that next week. We have a guest speaker who's coming in. He's going to be leading all seven weeks of this study. His name is Brandon Scott. He was a missionary to Guatemala with his family for 10 years, and they are passionate about helping Jesus' church learn to do cross-cultural ministry well. Brandon is a gifted speaker, and I had the privilege of going through uh, his training, this training that we're going to be starting next week. I went through it last spring, and in all the studies that I've done in recent years with my schooling and those different things that I've been a part of, this is the best training I've been through on cross-cultural ministry. So I want to encourage you to come and be part of that. We're planted in an area of our city where this topic matters. We're in a time in history in our nation where this topic matters. And so I want to encourage you, come, be part of that, learn, build up in yourself that biblical foundation for what unifies us in the gospel and how to love one another, even when their opinions don't align with ours, so that we can learn to make disciples on this biblical foundation of love. So I hope you'll join us, and we're going to show you something real quick. Uh, We're going to switch to the screen, and we're going to show you how to get to the page where you register. You can do this on your smartphone. We're showing you from a laptop. You can do it on your phone. You just go to westernhillschurch.com, and you can type in forward slash right now, or when you get to the home page, you can click the right now button. Either way takes you to the same spot. Once you get to the Right Now page, you don't have to scroll far. We moved it to the very top. You'll see one church. And while you're looking there, you can see information about the class, a description. You can also see our instructor, Brandon Scott, and a little bit of information about him. Our facilitator, Amanda Autry, and she's, one of, she's our own Amanda Autry. We're excited that she's helping facilitate this as part of the outreach director role that she has at our church. She'll, her information's there. And then go down just a little further. And there's a form. And on that form is where we need you to sign up right there. And you could do it right now while you're waiting on your phone. Put in your first and last name. Put in your email and your phone number. If you have other people in your household participating, type their names in there as well. And what we'll do is we'll add you to the group where we're communicating with everyone in the class. 
We'll make sure you get a workbook for the class. It's a free workbook. Well, it's being provided free to you. And so we'll get you a workbook. And then we'll also uh, make sure that you can get into the discussion links. You can join the discussion groups either on Zoom if you're joining remotely or if you're here in person, we'll have discussion groups on campus. So you can join either one. So we hope that you'll go and do that. Now there's a few minutes left. How, How many minutes are left in our countdown timer here? Hey, 15 seconds. So we're about to start. giving me time to make that announcement. If you're just now joining us, thanks for joining us tonight with Brother Jack Clay for our final lesson on liberty. And it's been an incredible series so far. We're so glad that you're here with us tonight. And if you are just joining us, as soon as this live stream is over, you can go back and start from the beginning. And I encourage you, go and find the announcement about what we're doing next week with one church. That's going to be our study that we begin to pick up next week. So I hope you'll come back and be part of that study with us. We're excited about what God's going to do during that time together. Well, Brother Jack, we're so glad to have you back this week. And I know that initially when we talked about this, that there were three weeks we talked about. But as we've been going through this material and just thinking about some of these applications and how we need to flesh this all out, we decided to add this fourth week. Yes, we do. So I'm really excited that you're here to share with us this evening. And if you're watching from home, at the end of what Brother Jack has to share with us tonight, we're going to have an opportunity for a little bit of question and answer. And so you can leave a comment on this live stream as you listen to Brother Jack. And if you leave a comment there with a question, then we'll be fielding those questions and asking Brother Jack for his input on those questions at the end of our discussion. So I hope you'll join us that way. And I also hope that you'll just get on that comment and just let us know you're here, who you are, where you're tuning in from. And as you do that, uh, folks at Western Hills, let's make sure that we're warm and welcoming and friendly on this live stream and that we welcome people in this evening. So uh, I thought I'd just begin with a word of prayer and then I'll turn this over to you. Thank you. Brother, or Lord, we just thank you so much for Brother Jack. We thank you for this evening and for what we're going to hear from him tonight as he brings us not only this lesson on liberty that is relevant to our current culture, but Lord, a lesson on liberty that is founded in your word, one that we can apply to every generation, to all situations, to every nation, because we understand, Lord, that your word um, does not change, that your word is sure that it is uh, timeless, that it applies in every culture and with every people group. So, Lord, we pray that you would show us your ways tonight, that you would teach us how you want us to live, that you would show us what it looks like to experience liberty in our daily lives, and that we would be able to do that individually and as members of your body and as members of this society. Lord, would you help us with that as we study this evening. I pray your blessing on Brother Jack that you would just anoint him now and just guide the words that come out of his mouth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Jack. Thank you, Brandon. And I'd like to thank once again uh, everyone from Western Hills Church and the elders and uh, Pastor Jerry and Brandon and others who have allowed me the opportunity to share with you the things that the Lord has taught with me through the years. 
uh, concerning liberty. And, and my, aren't we living in times when uh, these lessons about liberty are so valuable to us? Uh, we have, uh, you know, we, we've gone through the COVID crisis and still working out with things like that. But now, and there's so much unrest uh, in our country, things that have never been uh, even mentioned before, like, you know, defunding our police department. Let's, let's dismiss those and let's do away with that. We can take care of ourselves and, and uh, things like this. There's a different way to do it and, and all kinds of things being mentioned and all kinds of things being purported, but let's think through those things. How do they line up with the principles of liberty that we've been talking about? And how are we to live in the society and in the world that we live today? Well, our guiding verse for this study the past four weeks has been in John chapter 8 and verse 32. And I want to remind you of it again as we begin tonight. God's Word says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And we have discovered in our studies in the past four weeks how that freedom goes far beyond just uh, the forgiveness of sins by the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives and the freedom from the bondage of sin. It goes much farther than that. It goes into our daily lives. It goes into our relationships with one another. And so we want to review those things, analyze those things again tonight. And then the focus for tonight will be what can we do to help preserve the liberty that God has given us? That's, that's an interesting question and begs our attention tonight. I want to start off this evening with a quote. Uh, I, in fact, I gave you this quote partially uh, of the very first week we started. It is a, a quote by Dr. Jedediah Morse. He was a pastor. His son, Samuel Morse, was the one who developed Morse code. He uh, was, uh, Jedediah Morse was known as the father of American geography. So he was quite a learned man, quite a student of nature and a lot of different things. He, but he loved people and he loved his country. And here are the things that he said to us. And I want us to look at them tonight as we begin. He said this, Our dangers are of two kinds. Those which affect our religion and those which affect our government. They are, however, so closely allied that they cannot, without propriety, be separated. So those dangers which threaten our religion and the dangers which threaten our government, they can't be separated from each other. They're so closely twined together. The foundations which support the interest of Christianity are also necessary to support a free and equal government like our own. In all those countries where there is little or no religion, or a very gross and corrupt one, as in the Mohammedan and pagan countries, there you will find, with scarcely a single exception, arbitrary and tyrannical governments, gross ignorance and wickedness, and deplorable wretchedness among the people. To the kindly influence of Christianity, we owe that degree of civil freedom and political and social happiness which mankind 
now and joy. In proportion, as the genuine effects of Christianity are diminished in any nation, either through unbelief or the corruption of its doctrines or the neglect of its institutions, in the same proportion will the people of that nation recede from the blessings of genuine freedom and approximate the miseries of complete despotism. I hold this to be a truth confirmed by experience. If so, it follows that all efforts made to destroy the foundation of our holy religion, he's referring to Christianity, that ultimately tend to the subversion also of our political freedom. And whenever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present republican forms of government and all the blessings which flow from them must fall with them. Now, that is a lot to be said. That is a wise man speaking and understanding the source of liberty as being from God and the influence of Christianity within a nation. You know when he said this? He said this in 1799. Right at the turn of the century into the 1800s. And so here we have a man whom God has given wisdom and he says, hey, this country, if it is going to remain free, we must understand that there are threats against our government. And threats against our government are also threats against Christianity. And threats against Christianity are also threats against our government. You know, we have an amazing form of government, that republican form of government, a constitutional republic. Do you realize that there is no country on earth in the history of the world that has had a document like the Constitution, which has been its governing document for as long as the, the U.S. Constitution has ratified in, in 1787. It is still used and in existence and effective today. Yet there are those who would seek to do away with that document. Yet that document has stood the test of time. And it is a document of liberty. Will we allow that liberty to be taken away from us? Well, I want us to look at another uh, person, someone we haven't quoted much at all, but who had a lot to say about liberty. And that was our first president, George Washington. And listen to what he said. The propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. If we want heaven to smile upon us, if we want the blessing of God to be on us and on our land, then we must give regard to the eternal rules of order and right which heaven has established, which we find written in the Word of God. 
to ignore God's Word, to ignore those rules, is to say we do not want heaven's blessing upon us. The psalmist said this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So what can we do? Well, you have probably heard this statement. It's from Edmund Burke. Edmund Burke was a a British philosopher. He was a statesman. He served in the House of Commons uh, in England uh, right around the time, a little bit before the Revolutionary War here in America. And Edmund Burke said this, and it's been quoted many, many times by many people, but he said this, and it's true. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. Do you want to lose your liberties, the liberties which God has given you? Then don't do anything. Just live like you want to live. Just do whatever makes you feel good. Don't worry about anyone else. Just seek to have your own way. And when you do that, I will guarantee you, you will lose. And we will lose our liberties. So how do we protect our liberties? Well, I want to go back to Washington again because Washington told us how. Listen to what he said. Your love of liberty, your respect for the laws, your habits of industry, and your practice of the moral and religious obligations are the strongest claims to national and individual happiness. You want to be happy as an individual? You want us to have a prosperous and happy nation? Then love liberty. Respect the law. Don't try to overthrow it. Don't try to do away with it. Make sure that the laws of man line up with the laws of God. But don't become lawless. Respect the law. Your habits of industry. Work hard. (laughs) What a blessing it is to be able to work and to make a living and and to enjoy the fruits of my labor. Washington said, hey, if you will learn uh, to, to love the practice of uh, your habits of industry, you will be a happy person. Your practice of moral and religious obligations. Do what is right. Love God. Love others. Keep yourself morally pure. Those things lead to happiness. Those things lead to liberty. Those things lead to prosperity. Those, those, your soul will prosper. And then those you come in contact with will be blessed. So that's what Washington said. The next thing I want to do is I want to give you some uh, ideas to consider and to think about, about how you and I can help preserve the liberty which God has given us. So the first thing I want to do when I say, what can I do to help protect my God-given liberties? Well, the first thing I think is so important, and it is this, make sure, this is of eternal consequence, make sure that you are experiencing the liberty that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
The Bible tells us that man is a sinner and that he is in bondage to sin. But to those who will surrender their life to Him, who will confess Him as Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised Christ from the dead, those people will be be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness. With the mouth confession is made into salvation. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that being freed from the power of sin and the penalty of sin... And one day the present, that is of eternal consequence. Do you have that individual spiritual liberty? You know what? That can come to you right now if you will just surrender your life to the Lord. If you've never done that before, you can enjoy individual spiritual liberty. Well, what else can I do to help protect my God-given liberties? Well, I can begin to exercise what we called liberty of conscience. Uh, A conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Last week we termed it Christian self-government. And applying that control of of the Lord by His Word and by the Holy Spirit in my life, controlling everything that I do. That's exercising liberty of conscience. Living in my life as I should. Applying God's Word to my life every day. The the Word of God says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. The Scripture says that the laws of the Lord and the statutes of the Lord and the judgments of the Lord and the fear of the Lord are more desired than, than gold. We're to desire those things more than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. And we're to learn to apply the Scripture to every area of living. You know, what? If I, if I want to know how I am to relate to my wife and to my children and to my family extended. Do you know where I go? I go to the Word of God. And I learned that I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. I learned that as a father I'm not to exasperate my children, but I'm to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It affects how I work because the, the Scripture teaches me, hey, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything you do to the glory of God. The Scripture teaches me, owe no man anything, but to love one another. You know what? This is, this is an economic truth. This is a truth in a lot of different areas, but, but in an economic truth, you know, you know what the truth is? If you spend more than you make, then you will not remain solvent. The Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. Why did the, all of a sudden the sanctions on COVID-19 that came, you know, stay in your house and all that kind of stuff, and, and whether that was right or wrong, you know, whatever you, however you view that. How come that affected some people so adversely? Because they were living in debt. And they couldn't pay their bills. And they couldn't buy groceries. Oh, that's a sad thing. 
But God's Word teaches us that we're to be financially free. That we're to work and we're to labor and we're, we're to plan, a, a, a plan how we spend our money. Don't just spend it. But learn how to save. Learn how to invest. You know, we, uh, one of the things that uh, many times many people say to our government, our government's spending way too much money. They're spending more than they take in. That's not good. Exactly. And if it's not good for our federal government or our state government, guess what? It's not good for us either. And if we would begin to follow that example, and then we, we could hold our state and our federal government more accountable. Learn to apply the Scripture in every area of our life. The Bible says, oh, no man, anything. If you're in debt, start getting out today. You know, maybe you don't get to eat that ice cream cone or, or you don't get to buy that video game or you don't get to go here or there, but you're working to get out of debt so you can be financially free. Interesting. Well, as I do that, what am I doing? I'm helping protect my liberty. It's the, it's the idea of virtue, of moral excellence in my life. If I want to learn how to relate to people, I look into God's Word. Now, what, is God's, what else does God's Word teach me to do to help me protect my God-given liberties? Well, it's something that I must learn. And that is this. Learn to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. Jesus said this is the first and great commandment, to learn to love God with everything I am and with everything that I have. And then He said this, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what? Something tells me if we would be learning to love our neighbor as ourselves, or, or later on, Jesus put it this way, learn to love others as I have loved you. If we would learn to love like that, I don't think we would be having these riots. I don't think we would be having these protests. I think we would be respecting the law and those who seek to protect our rights and to protect us from the harm that someone might do to us. And they would do it with justice and equity. You see, what's the problem? Well, first of all, the problem is we're not loving God with everything we have. And the second one is this, we're not loving others. I put down here, the golden rule is still true. You say, what's the golden rule? I don't know if you learned it or not. When I was a young kid, they called it the golden rule. It says this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others like you want to be treated. And some people today, it seems like they're saying this, do unto others before they do it unto you. And they just run over people and they're not very kind. Okay, we need to learn the kindness of love. And we need to love people because God loves people. He so loved the world that He gave. And the character of love is to give. And that's what we need to do in relation to one another. Well, what can I do to help protect my God-given liberties? Well, the next thing I would encourage you to do 
is to learn about your God-given rights. Now, our forefathers in the Declaration of Independence defined those and put them in three categories. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which they understood the pursuit of happiness. That was to to be able to own your own property, to work, and to enjoy the fruits of your labor. You read... You read people like John Locke and you, and you talk, listen to Samuel Adams, the father of the American Revolution, and you read others. And what did they equate the pursuit of happiness with? They related it with the ownership of property, of personal, pro- pri- private property, and the free use of it to meet the needs that I would have and the needs of my family. But life, liberty, and property... There are those who would try to tell us, hey, health care is a right. No, it's not. It's not a God-given right. I don't find that in the Scripture. I find life in the Scripture. I find liberty. I, I see the fruits of working and to enjoy the fruits. Of, but I don't see health care as a right. Okay? And there are other things that that people are saying today, well, you have a right to this, or you have a right to that. But is that supported with Scripture? If it is, then let's embrace it. If it's not, then let's not embrace it. Well, what else can I do at that point? Well, next I need to understand that the purpose of government... Oh, what is the purpose of government? We've said it many times. Tonight, let's say it like this. The purpose of government is not to give man rights. The government doesn't give you your rights. Rights are God-given, not government-granted. So the purpose of government is not to give man rights and provide for them, because that makes them the servant of the state. Rather, understand that the purpose of government is to serve the people by protecting their God-given rights. So who's the servant? The government is. You look at the Constitution. It says, we the people. Okay, we're going to look at that more in a little bit. But who does it limit? It doesn't limit the individual. It allows the individual to be free. It limits government. The Constitution was written not to outline what, what the individual could and couldn't do. It was outlined to show us what the government could and could not do. It was, it was a limit upon government. We need to understand that the purpose of government is for them to serve, to protect and to serve. In connection with that, what can I do to help protect my God-given liberties? I can understand that our form of government is a government of, by, and for the people. Our government originated, it was formed by, it was formed for, and it was formed by the people. Government is limited under this system of government. It is not the controlling factor. So when we look at what's going on and we look at legislation that might come up or this or that or the other, 
we got to ask the question, is this what government is asking or telling me to do? Is this limiting my liberty or is it giving me more liberty? Is it protecting my liberty? Are they trying to control me? Are they trying to own me? Are they trying to own my uh, property? Or are they protecting what I have? Our Constitution begins with we, the people of the United States of America. We, the people. Hey, it's a collective coming together. John Locke said that people combine together voluntarily by consent and form governments for the protection of property. We the people. And our forefathers came together and they said, we need to devise, we need to come up with a form of government which will protect the rights of the individual, which will protect the God-given liberties which man has. It is we the people. Don't forget that. So what can I do? A little more practical. Maybe that, those, those things are kind of theoretical in some ways. They're practical individually. But, but look here, what can I do? I can, number one, I can stay in contact with my governmental leaders. My councilmen. My state senators. My governor. My lieutenant governor. My state, my U.S. senators. My U.S. representatives. Even my president. I can make contact with them. I can write them. I can call them. In our world of technology today, I can send them an email. I can text them. And you know what? I can even visit with them. I know there's been times when I, especially on what we call Rose Day here in Oklahoma, I've gone to the state legislature, to the state capitol, and I visited my representative, and I visited my senator, and I've told them, I want you to know that I am for the sanctity of life. And any bill that would support abortion or anything like that, I am against. Because life is a gift from God. How do you stand on that? And I have had some who have said, I'm right with you. And I have had others who have said, I disagree with you. I've even had others who wouldn't come out of their office to at least say hello to me and to let me know, hey, although I disagree with you, you have the right to your opinion. Hey, folks, you can call. You can let them know who you are. Let them know how you feel. Let them know what you believe. If we don't stand up for the unborn, for instance, then who is? Let them know how you feel on certain issues. And maybe if you can't get satisfaction, maybe, maybe, you need to, maybe we need to run for office and stand for what is right and stand on the Word of God. See, we can be involved. And it's part of being free. 
In some countries, if you express your opinion and it is contrary to the opinion of the government, you can be put to death or you can be put in prison. What shall we do? Hold our government officials accountable for how they govern. Hey, when they express an opinion that it's different than yours, hey, do they have a right to their opinion? Yes, but what are they doing? They are saying we are representing the people of our district or whatever, and we have the privilege and the responsibility of letting them know when we disagree with them. And what's the ultimate way we can do that? By voting. Those of you who are of age, 18 or older, are you registered to vote? Do you exercise that that privilege? And it really is, is it a God-given privilege to have a voice in your government by voting? You may say, oh, it's just a school bond issue. That's not important. Oh, really? Those children are important. And we need to analyze how tax dollars are being spent to make sure they're being spent right and for a proper education. You see, voting is so important. It's not just the the national, you know, we have the presidential election coming up in November this year, and that's going to be an extremely, extremely important election. But you know what else is important? All those state elections, they are so important. All those city uh, election councilmen, so forth, is so important. Do you want people in positions of leadership in your community and in your city and in your state who hold beliefs and ideas that are contrary to the Word of God? Let me encourage you to register. And then let me encourage you to vote. What a privilege that is. If we don't, someday we may lose that privilege. What can I do to help protect my God-given liberties? Coming down to the last couple. The very most important. The most important ones. Pray. The Lord spoke through Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, and He said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Call to me, and I will answer you. And I will show you things that you've never seen before. If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from my wicked ways. Then you will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and I will heal your land. Is that true? Yes. Yes, it is true. We're involved in a spiritual battle, but... Greater is He who is in us than he who is in the world. And if we will pray and we will seek the God of heaven, then He will have mercy on us, I pray. (coughs) Excuse me. Our hope is in the Lord. 
Could I have something to drink? I'm about to go. Thank you. Our hope is in the Lord. It's not in the government. It's not in the government system. It's not in the president. It's not in the governor. It's not in the state senator or representative. Now, all those people are important. But you know our hope is in? Our hope is in the Lord. He is our sure and certain refuge. We can trust in Him. He is a shelter in the time of storm. He is the anchor that holds in the midst of a storm. So let me encourage you. Pray. Paul wrote and said, pray for all those who are in authority. Pray for those who are in authority. And then, lastly, do not fear. Thank you so much. You know, as we learn to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and to love our neighbors as ourselves, you know what we're going to find out? We don't have to fear. John said, the Apostle John said, perfect love cast out fear. Because fear has torment. We have a lot of people being tormented today, it seems like. A lot of people living in fear. Some of them are living in fear that they're going to catch some kind of disease. COVID-19. Some people live in fear that, hey, we're going to have vigilante rule pretty soon. Everybody's going to just do whatever they want. But you know what? If we'll learn to love God with all of our hearts and we'll learn to love our neighbors, we'll find that God will cast out of our hearts and lives any fear. Why? Because we trust in Him. He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed upon Him. That's the promise of His Word. Do what you can do. You say, I'm not very important. I don't, you know, I'm just a little guy. You know, I, I mean, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have this. I don't have that. You know, I don't live in a big, nice house. I don't have a lot of people following after me. I don't have all those things. Hey, do what you can do. Why? Because we are in this together. We're in this together. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the Lord and loving Him and loving others and following Him with all of my heart and doing what I can do. As I, as I was studying, and you know, I mentioned Edmund Burke earlier, and he said the only thing that's necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. And I found another quote by him, and I thought, man, I need this. This is this. Nobody made a greater mistake than he who did nothing because he could only do a little. There's great wisdom in that statement. Some people say, well, I can't do very much, so I'm just not going to do anything. I'll let somebody else do it. Somebody who's 
more eloquent than I am, somebody who's got more influence than I do, somebody who's got more money than I do, somebody who's got a higher position than I do. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I, I just won't do anything. I'll just let them do that because after all, they've got more influence than I do. Father, you'll never know the influence that you have in your family. Lead them in godly ways. Mother, I'm just a mother. No higher calling from God than to raise godly children. Say, I can't do much. Do what you can do. And God will take your obedience to Him. And He will make it prosper. And He will make it grow. And you will have an influence in people's lives that you would have never imagined. Why? Just because you obeyed the Lord. You know, there was a man in the Bible, John only mentioned three times in the Bible, his name was Ananias. So there are several Ananiases in the Bible. Yes, but this was, the, this was a young man who lived in the city of Damascus. And God said, I want you to go pray for this guy. Uh, I met him on the road to Damascus, and, and I've got great things for him. And, and Ananias goes, but Lord, don't you know who this man is? Don't you know that... I mean, he's come to Damascus to, to arrest people like me because I'm a follower of Jesus. And Ananias finally said, Okay, Lord, I'll do what you say. And because of the obedience of Ananias in going and praying for who became the man who became the Apostle Paul, Christianity spread throughout the Western world. Don't make the mistake of doing nothing because you think that you can only do a little. There's an old song that says, little is much when God is in it. Thomas Jefferson said, with a firm reliance of the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. This was one of the final this was the final statement in the Declaration of Independence, and it was signed by all those men. They trusted God and they laid their lives on the line. And they trusted the results to Him. Dear people, it's not about me. It's not about you. It is we the people of the United States. And with a firm reliance upon protection from the Lord, we need to give ourselves to the preservation, to the proclamation and the preservation of the liberty that comes from God and God alone. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free.
That's where we started four weeks ago. And that's where we'll end, looking at that Scripture and understanding that as we learn the truth from God, His Word is truth, and as we apply it to our daily lives, then we will be free indeed. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Father, thank You for Your truth. Father, teach us, give us wisdom to know how to apply Your truth to our lives. Father, so that we might be free. Father, I pray that as, as uh, George Washington said, that we might have a love for liberty and a respect for the law and a willingness to work and a desire to live lives that are holy and without blame before You in love serving others. And Father, as we do that, may we experience the joy that comes from walking in fellowship with Jesus Christ and with others who love Him. We thank You for that. Father, I do pray, Lord, our nation, Father, we, we have rejected Your truth. Many have rejected Your truth. And Father, we are suffering because of that. Father, would You work in the hearts of men to draw them unto You, Father, not to, not to put on a charade to appear to be, to have a form of godliness but no power. Father, would You grant us, Father, the grace to repent of our evil ways and to return to You? Father, would You give us the, the love for life from the moment that conception begins life to the time that it ends, Father, loving the elderly as well as loving the unborn and loving all those in between. Lord, if you do not, and Father, that's the thing about mercy and that's the thing about grace. Lord, you know that it, it, it's undeserved. And we do not deserve the least of your favor upon our lives, especially after how we have, as a nation have turned from you. But Father, would you grant us repentance and faith and grace to follow you? Teach us your ways, O oh Lord. Teach us to do what is right and to love mercy and to walk humbly with you. And I ask these in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Jack, for that word. Yes, sir. Well, if you have a question, we want to be able to ask it. And all you need to do is comment with your question, and we'll ask it. And so we've got some guys who are helping us monitor that, and they'll let us know. 
as soon as you comment. And then I've got some questions written down as well, Brother Jack. And if I was going to sum up this in a word today, this particular lesson on liberty, it might be the word do. Because I heard you talk about that first quote, that all it takes for evil to prevail is that good men do nothing. And then you talked about the quote where many people don't do anything because they feel that they would do too little. And so just really understanding what can we do um, and how should we respond to what God has done and the liberties that he has given us in his word. And the first one you said was experience personal liberty in Jesus. And I just thought, just a quick thing to share for me, and then I wonder if you have anything to share on this, is just, um, I can remember a season in my life where that just wasn't happening. I wasn't experiencing liberty, personal liberty in Jesus. And it kind of goes along with the second one that you said, exercise self-government daily. And because I wasn't experiencing that liberty in Jesus, and what it looked like for me is I was unaware of my emotions most of the time, and a lot of times my emotions were in control of me. So I wasn't exercising self-government, but I was really allowing my emotions to dictate my life and what God has taught me. And Brother Jerry's been preaching about it on Sunday mornings in this series called Warrior about spiritual warfare, is we have to take control of those emotions by taking, exercising dominion over our souls. We, our souls don't dominate us in the spirit. We have authority over our own souls. And we're able to say, even like the psalmist said, um, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. So we can command our souls, which is our mind, will, and emotions, to put our hope in God. And so I know for me that it definitely started there. And I just wonder if you have any thoughts on someone who's listening tonight And if that hasn't been a reality for them, how can they get connected to understanding what it looks like to experience liberty in Jesus and to learn to self-govern? You know, because that takes time. That's something we have to work on. It does. And it begins with a a work of grace in our hearts. God must reveal to us our need for Him. If God doesn't reveal our... The Bible says there is no one who seeks after God. We are all together become unprofitable. There's none that does good, no, not one. That, is, that idea is so contrary to what our society and what our world says today. It says man is basically good, and he's complete within himself, and he has no need of a God. Mm-hmm. Okay, So when God works in our heart, and reveals to us our need for him, then we respond to him. Mm. And that's a gift of his grace. Right. And so when that happens, then we begin to live in a new realm than we had ever lived before. Before, it was always, uh, my will be done. Mm-hmm. But God puts within my heart a desire where it's not my will be done, but, Lord, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. And so, but there's that that daily struggle that happens in my life between, you know, and, and that may sound very simplistic, but it, but there's a struggle. Am I going to do what, what I wanted to do or, you know, what I used to do? Or am I going to allow the Spirit of God who now lives within me, am I going to allow Him to give me the strength to do what God wants me to do? Yeah, that's really good. We were in small group this, this week, and while we were there, one of the guys in my group just started 
asking questions about how to start a relationship with Jesus. And so in my small group, we had split out the guys and the girls, and in my small group, the guys just started talking with him because no one had ever explained to him how to start a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so they began to share the gospel. And I was really just proud of my group and the way they rallied around him. But what I noticed in him is exactly what you're saying, that God was doing something in him, mm-hmm. that there was, there was a, a realization of his need for God that I hadn't even seen in the same way before. And so what, I mean, really what I hear you saying as we're talking to people who are listening tonight is if you feel that stirring right now, that you're not any good on your own. If you feel that stirring, I need God. Not to take that for granted. That's right. Because that is the grace of God that reveals that to and, us. And surrender. And surrender Lord, to I it. give my life to you. Yeah. I am yours now. I'm not my own. I am yours. And the call to surrender in, in the Scripture is real simple. It's, it's that we repent of our old ways. Mm-hmm. And we believe that Jesus is king. We live our lives to follow him, that he died on the cross for my sins. He's the one who makes me right so I can stand before God. But he is also my Lord. He is my king, and I live for him. And that that comes through grace. We have to receive that through grace. That's right. Well, I appreciated those two things. So the first two things were experiencing personal liberty in Jesus. And then it's when we do that, then we can begin to exercise self-government daily. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't have that liberty that comes from God, then what the Scripture says is that sin is going to rule over me. I am going to lose that fight. Mm -hmm. And my emotions, what my flesh wants, I could try to restrain evil in myself, but I'm going to lack the power to do it because I haven't received the liberty that comes from God. And that's a repeating theme in this whole thing, is that liberty does not come from me or from an external government or another person, but it always comes from God. Yeah, and it's amazing to me as I read the fourth... Excuse me, as I read from the fourth fathers, how much they emphasize that internal liberty Mm. first. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, that liberty that we have inside of us, but that's a liberty that comes from God. <coughs> okay, were the founding fathers Christian? Did, you said Deus or both? Uh, yes, they were both. Plus, I'm sure that there were some which would not have even claimed either one of those uh, arenas of belief. But one thing that they did have uh, almost across the board was a respect for God and His Word. Okay. Now, I I would not even begin to say that every one of the forefathers was a believer in Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, Some of them were deists. Okay. But some were un, were unbelievers. But they all had a respect for the Lord. They had a respect for the, what, if I could use the terms, the institutions or the basic teachings of Christianity and recognized that there was, there was, that was the standard for law. Okay, there had to be a, there had to be a standard. There wasn't relativism back then like there is today mm. where truth is relative right so that's why we ended up with a document that was derived from the scriptures that's right even though they didn't all share faith in the same faith in jesus that would be correct okay that helps and then paul what's the next one so what is grace, uh, 
Okay, so we're talking about civil, economical, and religious liberties, and we're asking, what do you feel is the greatest threat to that, to those liberties that we have? And I, I've heard you kind of explain this through this, but it's kind it's, of a big theme. Yes. That's a great question. What is the biggest threat to our religious, civil, and, and uh, political liberties? Uh, excuse me, uh, economic. economic liberties. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it is the removal of the influence of Christianity, just like uh, uh, Jedediah Moore said. When we take away the influence of, of the Word of God, when we take away the influence of Christianity, and we begin to turn to other things, or we begin just to turn to our own ways, then everything, that, every liberty that we enjoy, every blessing of liberty that we enjoy, is endangered. There was a period of time in the in the history of Israel, and it lasted about 400 years. And that 400-year period uh, is described this way: In those days, there was no king in, in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. It was a time of political unrest. It was a time of moral depravity. It was a time of idol worship. It was a time of, of general dismay among the people. You know what they call that time period? The Dark Ages of Israel. Because when man does what is right in his own eyes and does not follow the Lord, then the Bible says there's a way which seems right unto a man, and the end thereof are the ways of death. And so when we do what's right in our own eyes, we are leading ourselves and others to destruction. So I, what I hear you doing is you're, you're just, you're standing on the truth, um, regardless of what many in our society may say, is that liberty is directly tied to God. That's right. And you can get experts and professionals to talk about liberty and what we need to do, but the truth is with the, with the corruption of mankind as they depart away from Christianity and trust and faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone, we will see a decline in our liberty. That's right. So it puts the gospel at the front and center once again. Yes, that it does. What, we're talking about what can we do, and this wasn't necessarily explicitly on your list, but a massive one we can do is share the gospel. That's right. And a massive one we can do is make disciples. Well, that's, that's part of loving one another mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to love others, you're going to share the gospel with them. If you're going to love others, you're going to teach them the ways of God mm-hmm. and the ways of His Word. Yeah. And you're going to teach them how to teach others. And speaking of love, that was, that was the third one you shared, is that we need to love God and love others, and, and that fits under there. And then another one would be, um, right now there's people who are out there who are saying things and doing things that we don't agree with. You know, and we all have different opinions on different issues, but we'll, we, we pull up a news article, we see something that's happening, and we go, ooh, what they're saying. And sometimes it gets our emotions going. Yes, it sometimes does. we get really frustrated because maybe they're disrespecting something that we have respect for, or maybe what they're doing, we see it as a violation to other people or to our rights. And so, so we get this, these emotions that well up. How do we respond in love to those people that are saying and doing things that rub us the wrong way and we disagree with them? Well, first of all, 
we pray. Because if I respond to them out of anger or out of fear, which some of those things can scare you, Mm -hmm. pretty good. Mm -hmm. If I respond in those ways, I am not going to respond properly. If I respond with prayer, I seek God's Word to see what the truth is, and then I learn to express my opinion and share the truth in love. Yeah. But it takes, once again, we go back to that heart preparation, that internal liberty. I've got to make sure that what I'm doing is, first of all, right with the Lord. And secondly, now, am I going to offend people? I guess. I'm sure even some of the things that I say, have said tonight or said in other nights that have been offensive to people, but do I do that intentionally? No. Mm-hmm. But do I speak the truth firmly? Yes. Do I speak it in love? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, yeah, that love that comes from God. And, and I just, just as a pastor here, uh, members who are watching, you know, just being cautious as I hear you share on this issue of love. There's a right way to love people. And then there's a way that we're, we're really not loving them at all. It's really about venting our emotions and what we're feeling. And, you know, some of the posts that happen on social media, some of the things that we share, we're not going to change any hearts. We're not going to lead anyone to Jesus. Um, maybe we're going to get some likes, but if we go look at those likes, it's probably going to be the same, same 10 people over and over again that think like we do. And we're not going to win the world that way through a post. We're not going to change someone's view through a post. It's got to come in real life relationships. My small group sat together this Monday night and they shared what they were feeling and going through based on what's happening in our world right now. And we have got to be willing to put down social media, stop using it as our primary source of information, stop using it as the way that we confront issues and go and sit face to face with people, listen to them, understand them and love them well, right where they are. And then love them enough to tell them the truth. Love them enough to take that risk in the relationship where we say, can I show you what God's Word says and talk to them about that? God's, the, I think it was a quote that I used from Hugo Grotius that talked about reasoning and, and the, the intimation was reasoning from God's Word. I've got to learn to think biblically. Mm, yes. And once I became Christian, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't a very biblical thinker. I didn't know how to reason from God's Word. Look at life through the lens of God's Word. Not, oh, you know, oh, there's my circumstance, and I look at God's Word through my circumstance. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. i got to look at my circumstance through God's Word. Yes, yes. Excuse me. Well, and one thing that we could all do based on the subject that's happening right now, the topic in our world, the big one that's taking, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and the division that's happening over racism. And, and one of the things that we can all do is instead of sharing whatever news feed comes across our page that we agree with that opinion and we're trying to propagate that message, we're, we're going to be entering into conversations with one another about the topic of unity and it will address the topic of race as we look at one church starting next week hey, why don't we sign up for that and invite someone to sign up for that with us and look them in the eye and have a discussion about it and really talk about it and look at God's word and let it govern our conversation. Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be better 
than just sharing something along in Facebook. And so I just want to encourage us. Maybe, maybe you'll go share that. Maybe you'll go get that one church event on our Facebook page and go share that and invite people to join you in the discussion. There's another one here that I was sent a question online. Why did it take this civil war to finally end slavery? We're talking about slavery in our country, certainly a violation of liberty. And why did it take this civil war to finally end slavery? Well, uh, that's a great question. You know, there are so many, uh, so many of our forefathers who were against slavery, but yet had slaves. Right. Uh, George Washington was one of those. He had slaves, and, and uh, his desire, in fact, he did uh, in his will. Uh, he freed the slaves after Martha hmm. passed hmm. because he needed somebody to help take care of her, and so mm-hmm. there was that and so forth. But they, they understood. When they said all men were created equal back at the time of the Declaration of Independence, they... Uh, uh, they included, they believed that that was including of the slaves. But there were those who, why it's because of slaves that we have our livelihood. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's amazing how it comes back to money. The, the money situation. Mm-hmm. And so there was, that, uh, there was that debate that went on for, for years and years, over 50 years. Uh, I mean, it was, it was there at the time of the Constitution, at the time of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, one of the g- great um, abolitionists uh, who spoke as an abolitionist and supported the abolition movement, but, but really, uh, you know, was one of our presidents and uh, was the only president uh, up to that time that after he, he served as presidency, he went back into Congress and served in Congress because he knew the form of government was right. And one of the things he spoke out against time and time again was the issue of slavery, and that was John Quincy Adams. And uh, so that debate went on and went on and went on until it came to a head. Yeah. And it came to a head but over, also over this. Can, can we secede as a country and, uh, you know... Uh, and so we can have our slaves and so forth. And the, and the, the idea was no man needs to be free and, and uh, the slave needs to be freed. Uh, of course, there was going on uh, before, uh, around that time uh, and a little bit before in England, you know, with William Wilberforce. And he spoke up against slavery. And so that happened there in England and it came and happened in America. But, you know, it was a, that was a sad day. That was a sad, why did, why did we have to come to that situation? Well... That broke the the money incentive. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate to say that, but uh, uh, you know, it was uh, a big economic boon to have slaves and to run my plantations that way. And uh, and there was a lot of abuse. I uh, uh, I would suggest uh, uh, see if I can remember. There is a book that I would encourage you to read about that very issue and the years before and how it came to a point and it's called sounding forth the trumpet and i believe it's by peter marshall Uh, and i would suggest you read that because you will see the struggle that uh, that went on in america uh, from the time of uh, the declaration of independence till the time of the civil war and the events that led up and and how 
Americans were treating one another as a result of that issue and the many people who were standing up for it and, and yet there were those who didn't and so forth and eventually causing war. But Sounding Forth the Trumpet is the name of the book. It's by the same author that wrote The Light and the Glory. Okay. Okay, and I think that's Peter Marshall, but I'm not for sure uh, because I'm relying on my memory, memory. right now. <laughs> yes, it's I not, understand. It's not as sharp as it used to be. So you could look up The Light and the Glory, too, which is a very, very famous book, and you could find the author there. Right. Okay. But the book that they want to read is, concerning slavery right. and, and uh, so forth is Sounding Forth the Trumpet. So I'm going to just try to apply a little bit of what I've heard you saying to this and, and see if I'm getting this right. We had a document early on, the Declaration of Independence, that declared all men were created equal. Yes. Um, but then slavery continued. Slavery continued. And eventually there had to be an act by our government um, in order to help ensure, protect the liberties that were God-given liberties for those people who were in slavery. The un, you know, and it's an unfortunate thing. You know, uh, it's a sad thing. Our forefathers knew that if they would have emancipated the slave at the time of the Declaration of Independence or at the time of the writing of the Constitution, that those documents would have never come into effect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I say, that's a very sad thing, but, it, right. but it's true. Uh, you can read them and, and find that out. So there's this progressive thing that we need to understand is that as we continue to develop laws, and that, that happened again in the Civil Rights Movement, where there was a need for change in laws in order to protect the liberties, the God-given liberties for people. And so even as we face this issue today, we need one of the questions we need to be asking is, okay, what are the specific laws, if any, that need to be changed, and, and I believe that we can, we can discern that, that need to be changed in order to protect, not give people liberty, right. but protect their God-given liberties. Right. And so that's a big question that really needs to be asked right now. Right. Okay. Well, those are good. Did we have any other questions, Paul, or is that it? That's it for now. All right. Well, this was a great conversation. Yeah. and. Thanks for letting me do this. Yeah, I really enjoyed the last four weeks together, and I hope you enjoyed it too. These will all be saved to our website, so you can go back and listen on westernhillschurch.com. Just click on sermons. You can find this and on our Facebook page. I hope you might even consider sharing some of these with friends as there's conversations right now that are happening as one of the sources that they could turn to to learn a little bit more about liberty and the inseparable role of God in our liberties. So thanks again for all the time, Brother Jack, that you invested in this. And um, thank you guys for joining us. I hope you'll thank Brother Jack on the live stream here and just leave a comment and, and let him know you appreciate him. So hope you have a good night. Thanks for being with us.